Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It's episode 257 of Bitcoin, and I've been gone. Yep. Uh, you, I, I don't know. Anybody who listens to this show know I've been gone like a freaking month, dude. Uh, to the mountains. God, it was so nice. I mean, it's like I live in the panhandle of Texas. I missed two and a half weeks of triple digit temperatures, like all in a row, like 105, 106. I think it, it got up to like 108 where I live. 108 freaking degrees. It's not even fair. That's just, that's like, I don't know. That's just like God trying to kill us or something like that. I don't know. But it was nice because the mountains at about 8,000 feet in southwest Colorado were about 84 degrees. Not not lying, man. It's like, it's that different. And the people that live there will come out and it'll be like 85 and they will literally go, wow, it's hot today, and all I can do is just laugh. <laughs> it's so bad here sometimes. Um, I am uh, deeply, deeply sorry for the long-ass time that uh, I've been, been away, but A, I needed it, and second of all, I wasn't even supposed to be away that long. Uh, some things happened. Uh, we'll do story time <clears throat> a little later. But I want to get into, or at least try to uh, resurrect the uh, format of the show here. So we're going to do uh, uh, a little bit of news. <clears throat> and the first thing that I want to cover is the non-coverage of Bitcoin in the media that I normally go to, uh, to look for stories for you guys uh, to read to you so you don't have to kill yourself driving or, you know, so that you got something else to listen to while you're doing dishes or whatever the hell. But um, I usually start out with the daily hodl. Let me just read to you today what this thing has turned into. It is turned into a ripple shilling platform. It's sad too, because I, I used to really enjoy the daily hodl, but man, this is sad. Uh, July the 27th, XRP was created before use case for crypto asset was discovered, says Ripple Chief Technology Officer. This other one is high-profile crypto strategist says Bitcoin targeting 50,000 with XRP signaling potential bull run. Uh, here's another one. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Ripple's director of product launches XRP payments and e-commerce platform. Uh, then they come in and I think they, they crapping all over... Yeah, a Weiss rating says one crypto will become centerpiece of billion dollar revolution and it's not Bitcoin. This is the shit that I woke up to today. I had no idea that it was getting this bad. I mean, the daily hodl had been kind of going down, like just going down. But I honestly, man, I had no idea it was going to be this freaking bad but it doesn't stop there, guys. It's uh, just, it's, it's absolutely all over the place. Let's see here. Uh, Cointelegraph. Let's see what, uh, what Cointelegraph is saying about stuff. Uh, talks about resistance at 10,500. Um, oh, maker's value locked breaches $1 billion ceiling. Talk about gold. Uh, talk about Coinbase. Uh, tokenization holds the key to sustainable platform business growth model. Oh, well, there's... Yeah, there's some bullshit for you. Oh, ETH activity in Q2, similar to that before 2017 ICO market boom. Nice. Good job, Cointelegraph. These are all you're all you're doing is talking about shitcoin. Uh let's see, what else is there? Oh, uh one of the, one of these I am actually gonna read today, but dude, I mean it's just it's bad. And and let's go to Decrypt. Decrypt had been my all-time favorite, but it's like Talking about Cardano's profound Shelly upgrade is primed for liftoff. How the Ant Chain blockchain is taking China by storm. 
Bitcoin fees pulled higher by DeFi mania. There's some th- the new ICO shit coinery going on right there. Uh, oh, Bitcoin dominance slips, bringing memories of 2017 alt season. It is 9.50 a.m. Central Daylight Time on the 27th of July. And you know what's happening to fucking alt season? It's a bloodbath. It's an absolute bloodbath because Bitcoin's doing one of its face-ripping moves and people are dumping their bags of shit to get in. And I don't know, this this rinse and repeat thing has just gotten old for me. I, I don't like seeing it. But you guys got to know, I mean, and it goes on, man. Bitcoinist is turning into an altcoin or and ripple shill. Crypto briefing isn't much better. The coin republic, crypto slate. I, I mean, honestly, I'm going to be reading most of the stuff here from CoinSpeaker and Coindesk today because they're the only ones that have anything at all that has something to do with Bitcoin. So let's just, let's fall right into this one. Uh, right now with Bitcoin Magazine, uh, Peter Chawaga is writing this one on July the 22nd. Treasury Bureau declares national banks can custody crypto. <clears throat> the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, a bureau within the United States Department of the Treasury, tasked with regulating the country's banks and thrift institutions, has published a public letter clarifying that national banks and savings associations can provide cryptocurrency custody services to clients. Quote, In the letter published today, the OCC concludes that providing cryptocurrency custody services includes holding the unique cryptographic keys associated with cryptocurrency is a modern form of traditional bank activity related to custody services, according to an announcement from the Bureau, quote, crypto custody services may extend beyond passively holding keys. That whole thing was a quote. Custody of cryptocurrency like Bitcoin is entirely a matter of controlling the private keys associated with that cryptocurrency. As a purely digital entity, Bitcoin is only accessible through Bitcoin addresses, which contain two keys, a public key and a private key. While public keys are shared in order to receive Bitcoin transactions, private keys should be protected. Protect. You must protect. As they allow holders to send Bitcoin, ultimately determining the custody of the coins. Prior to the clarification, only firms with special licensure could control the custody of cryptocurrencies on behalf of clients. The announcement suggests that now any federally regulated institution providing similar services for traditional assets can do so as well. This could be the first step in a significant wave of new cryptocurrency services offered by U.S. banks like Wells Fargo or Bank of America. Don't trust either one of those things, guys. They could, for instance, begin providing multi-sig wallet services. In the announcement, the OCC framed the clarification as a natural step for these institutions to continue meeting customer needs in the digital age. Quote, from safe deposit boxes to virtual vaults, we must ensure banks can meet the financial services needs for, oh, sorry, needs of their customers today, said Brian P. Brooks, the acting comptroller of the currency per the announcement. Quote, this opinion clarifies that banks can continue satisfying their customers' needs for safeguarding their most valuable assets, which today for tens of millions of Americans includes cryptocurrency. So, yeah, first they laugh at you, then they kind of want to throw you under a bus, and then they offer to drive the bus for you. I I don't really, you know, it's, it's odd watching, it's odd watching the entire landscape just form. It's like, it's like sitting way back on top of a hill and looking down into a valley and watching mountains actually move places and grow or shrink or crumble or build themselves up. Watching this is fascinating. I I feel really lucky to be, uh, be in this particular time of this particular technology. And really on, honestly, there can be only one and that's Bitcoin. This one from July the 23rd out of Coindesk, Wyoming-based Avanti to open in October with a new bank-issued digital asset. Uh, Nathan Camillo is writing this one, again for Coindesk. Avanti Financial expects to open its doors this October with a new bank-issued digital asset led by Wyoming blockchain advocate Caitlin Long. The crypto-friendly bank announced Thursday its application was accepted by the Wyoming Division of Banking on July the 15th. Avanti will open in the fall because the regulator accelerated the timeline of its application process. In the same announcement, Avanti revealed its plans to issue 
Avid. Oh God, I hate it, but we're going to get, we're going to do it. Okay. We're going to get through this. A programmable digital asset that can only be issued by banks and will be treated as a cash equivalent with Blockstream as the bank's technology partner. Long said in an interview that one could presume that the Bitcoin blockchain will be involved, but could not comment further. If Avanti's charter application is approved in October, the bank will be the only financial institution capable of issuing Avit, that's A-V-I-T, while Avit would not be pegged one-to-one to the U.S. dollar because it's a new digital asset, not a digital representation of a real-world asset. The currency would be 100% backed by a reserve of liquid traditional U.S. assets. The bank requires this reserve for all the assets it custodies. Avanti claims Avit will not have the same delayed settlement and chargeback issues that traditional fiat payments face because an automated clearinghouse, or ACH, transaction can be reversed several weeks after a payment has been made. Exchanges and other asset services providers often hold traders cash for several days, Long said. Quote, there's a lot of counterparty risk in OTC trading of digital assets. Everyone wants to settle second. (laughs) what we're doing is offering the ability for both sides to settle simultaneously End quote, the bank also claims Avid will not have the legal accounting or tax issues associated with stable coins quote, no one knows the legal enforceability of digital assets in the United States because they fall through the cracks. The legal clarity of all stable coins is not there. Tax and accounting is also far from clear long said. Long argued that despite the Office of Comptroller of the Currency letter clarifying that U.S. banks may provide crypto custody, the Special Purpose Depository Institution in Wyoming is still the most advanced framework for crypto custody in the United States. Quote, the OCC and 49 other states do not yet have in place the comprehensive legal structure necessary for enabling digital asset custody without significant legal risk, Long said in a press statement, adding, quote, They also do not have a roadmap for courts to adjudicate disputes involving digital assets and do not provide the certainty in bankruptcy that Wyoming provides for digital asset custodians. Its prudential standards make Wyoming the only jurisdiction in the United States where digital asset custody in a bank can truly be executed in a safe and sound manner. End quote. The Wyoming Division of Banking did not return a request for comment by press time. All right. So... I'm sure our little dog friend, Ayi, uh, Ayi, oh God, Ayi, I miss that guy. Um, he's No, he's still on Twitter. I just, I've been away and I, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't really just glued to Twitter like I, I kind of am when I'm in front of my computer. But uh, yeah, Ayi, I'm sure is, is jumping up and down all over about this one. But I'm just going to give it a pass because I just don't have the energy to to just hate every single thing that that comes down the pipe. Although I'm calling it if it's not if it if if this Avanti token is something other than oh, I don't know, something that is backed 100% by Bitcoin or somehow or another is very very tightly related to the actual Bitcoin, then it's a shit coin. And I'm not all that happy about it, but you know, what are you going to do? I guess you could go get a hooker because what sex workers want to do with Bitcoin is what's up next. And that's by Lee Q also out of CoinDesk. Like I said, I'm going to be reading some, a fair amount of the same people today. So, Hey, all the rest of them are talking about fucking ripple. What do you want from me? In this audio interview, CoinDesk Lee Kuhn and OnlyFans performer Savannah Solo talk about fintech and the sex industry from distribution platforms to Twitter and Bitcoin. She helps break down what sex workers really need from digital tools. Now, it's an episode, but I'm just going to read what they have written about the episode because obviously this is their podcast, but it's kind of interesting. Savannah Solo started her OnlyFans account in January 2020 and within a few months became one of the top Oh, earners on the platform in her category. She's never used Bitcoin before because she relies on platforms like OnlyFans and Cash App for regular banking services. She said some performers have been temporarily deplatformed or lost access to their funds, but she's been lucky so far. 
She often works a 16-hour day during these first few months of building her business. Quote, the market got super, super saturated during quarantine. The only fans performers were having trouble getting any subscribers at all, Solo said. In my first month in January, I only made 80 bucks. End quote. <laughs> There's a common misconception that sex workers are now making much more money than before the coronavirus crisis. Both Solo and fellow sex worker Honey Lee agreed the brief flurry of new customers settled down in the spring and that summer has been a particularly slow season. Quote, nobody is saying they are making more because of the pandemic. There's a lot more new models. As for the blue collar guys that tip you, a lot of them have lost their jobs. End quote. Lee performs the camming site. Oh my God. Chatterbait. Oh, oh, that's, oh man, that's bad. Oh, okay. Whatever. Lee prefers the camming site Chatterbait instead of OnlyFans. Chatterbait <laughs> charges performers nearly half of their earnings to use the site, much higher than the 20% charge from OnlyFans, but Chatterbait offers a feature that Lee prefers. Customers can pay in cryptocurrency and performers can cash out in Bitcoin. The site still acts as a middleman, but at least Lee can choose her currency. Quote, my customer base is mostly American. So there are instances where Bitcoin is more useful for me, especially when I'm traveling, Lee said, who is based in Europe. Lee said some chatterbait performers like her take a fraction of their earnings in Bitcoin if they make extra this month or that month. This is regardless of whether the customer is paid in Bitcoin since the payment is to the platform anyway. In addition to cashing out from the performance platform in Bitcoin, Lee also uses personal wallets to accept money directly from fans. Over the past year, four clients tipped her in Bitcoin, yet that minority can have a large impact. Quote, customers that give money directly tend to be regulars, like really big fans. 5% of my customers make up 90% of my income. That's the Preto principle right there, man. That's not a lot of people that accept Bitcoin from clients. Oh, sorry. There's not a lot of people that accept Bitcoin from clients directly, but I do know some findoms. Oh, finance, those financial dominatrix people. Some, there's such weird subcultures in the world. It's just odd. If you haven't heard of financial dominatrix, you Google it for yourself, bro. I ran across this shit on accident a couple of like last year. And I'm like, no, you're not going to force me to give you money. Seriously. I'm, whatever. Okay. For a birthday gift, for example, I'll be like, cool. Here's my wallet. End quote. Sola said she hasn't been offered Bitcoin yet. She's still trying to manage some of the technical basics of running her own business. Quote, the platforms do extremely little work to help you out. There is no tech support. God, that sucks. <clears throat> there are a variety of tech-savvy sex workers creating their own Bitcoin-friendly platforms and teaching each other how to use various technologies. For example, an escort booking consultant named Joe, who has been helping sex workers garner and screen clients for two years, said a few women paid her in 2019 to help them use Bitcoin. The Bitcoin advertising campaign lasted for a few months on a website that only accepts Bitcoin. This is generally uncommon, Joe said. It was a hassle. Quote, I think a lot of girls in this industry want to protect their identity. However, it, Bitcoin, is not the most user-friendly thing. Joe said about the the returns for time spent using Bitcoins, quote, it was pretty dead for a while, bookings. Uh, business has come back, but it's slower than usual, end quote. Solo also noticed the imbalance of supply and demand this summer across the sex industry. She said she usually turns to other performers for tech support and doesn't know of other consulting options for sex workers. Performers like her generally rely on platforms like Twitter, Instagram, OnlyFans, and Chatterbait. <laughs> God, I'm sorry. This just still makes me laugh. Uh, to advertise their brands, converting casual tippers into direct customers is the hardest part of the business. Until they do, performers like Solo struggle to deal with refund issues like chargebacks. Quote, that's a huge issue, Solo said about chargebacks. People send sex workers money, then the person can call their bank, have it back charged, and all the money comes out of the sex worker's account. End quote. New quote. That's such a nightmare, and it happens all of the time. People get free service out of that, and it's super gross, she added. <laughs> okay, yeah, so that's the end of that story, but I do want to make a couple of comments here. Um, sorry, I needed another hit of coffee. I'm still recovering from waking up at weird hours. Um, <clears throat> first of all, 
the sex workers. I'm not going to, I'm not going to trash on them. I'll trash on altcoiners and shitcoiners, you know, all day long, but I'm not going to do it for sex workers. They're, they're doing what it takes to get by. So if that's what they got to do, that's what they got to do. And if there's a market for it that, Hey, we call that shit capitalism. So you can, if you got real problems with the ethics there, um, I'd suggest maybe look at socialism. I, I don't really know what to tell you. Uh, otherwise, uh, if there is a real dearth of uh, tech support for the sex industry when it comes to cryptocurrency, that would seem to me to signal that there's <clears throat> a real need. And the sex industry, the adult sex industry is very large. You may be able to make a business out of that if you're also sort of not in a position where you want to judge people for what they do with their with their own bodies. I don't know. I don't suggest <clears throat> becoming a sex worker or or using their services uh, because I I think there may be some morality issues there. But morality of the person asking for the service it's it's your business and how you act is is not how you should not put how you want to act or how you think you should act onto somebody else. If they want to do their shit, that's fine. If you got a moral problem with it. <clears throat> Well, then don't ask for sex from sex workers. I, I can, this, it is literally that easy. But again, if they're really having a problem and there's really a dearth of tech support for how to do this, you know, teach them, you know, say, I don't know, start a business and get in contact with these people and start advertising on their uh, platforms about uh, that you'll do tech support for and set them up with BTC Pay Server and help them out for like a charge, a percentage charge on the Bitcoin that comes into their account. Just, I, it's just an idea. I think we're all trying to figure out a way to make a book at one point or another. Um, all right, let's get into this one. Twitch doubles down on crypto, gives subscribers 10% discount. This was sometime writ written today. Uh, let's see, by Coindesk, it is by Patty Baker. Twitch is giving subscribers a 10% discount if they pay using cryptocurrencies. The Amazon-owned company announced the deal on Saturday. Users can pay in Bitcoin, Ether, oh God, Bitcoin Cash, or Litecoin. Um, oh God, oh, let's see, what else did they say? A live, she says that a live streaming platform popular with video gamers, Twitch, had around 3.8 million broadcasters in the first quarter of 2020 and around 1.44 million concurrent users as the end or at, as the end of March of 2020, Twitch introduced a cryptocurrency payment option in 2014, but quietly removed it in the first quarter of 2019. It was brought back in June. Offering a discount suggests the platform is encouraging its subscribers to use cryptocurrencies for goods and services rather than just as a speculative inve speculative investment. The company uses U.S.-based oh god here it comes BitPay to process its crypto payments. Uh, I need uh, Dorier uh, of BTC Pay Server to get a hold of Twitch because nobody, nobody, nobody should be using BitPay. It's a terrible company. They hate Bitcoin. They have to tried to destroy it at every single turn. I don't know why because their entire company is built around it and it wouldn't be where it was without the existence of Bitcoin. I'm still, I, I'm literally still coming to grips with the fact that I could not find just like my normal amount of Bitcoin only stuff today. It's almost as if everybody forgot what the hell started all this. So, well, I hope the face ripping move of, of Bitcoin kicks you right square in the nuts. Let's, well, let, let's get into some, uh, let's get into some vital statistics. Holy meh, Batman. God, the regular major indices just having nothing but sideways shit going on today. S&P 500 is up half a percent. The NASDAQ is up 1%. The Dow Jones is up half of a percent. Uh, FTSE's down like neg negligent uh, amount. The Nikkei is down 0.16. The Hang Seng is down 04 
Shanghai is up uh, a quarter and the volatility is down, oh, like one and a half percent, something like that. Let's see what's going on here with the bonds. All the bond yields changed to the downside in like almost negligible amounts, except for the German 10-year bond, which dropped 0.044% on the change. Oil, oh, wow. Oil's doing something weird. I haven't actually looked at commodities prices for a whole month, so I'm kind of surprised to see 40 bucks on oil. It's actually changed to the downside 1.7%. Natural gas took a uh, took a big old slap to the face. It's down two point eight eight percent. Gold, oh, oh, it's oh man, dude. Peter Schiff must be dancing, dude. It's up two and oh, let's see, two and a fifth percent with a gain of forty bucks, and it's chilling out at nineteen hundred thirty-seven. And again, guys, I don't hate gold. I really don't. I don't even really hate Peter Schiff. I'm just trying to figure out why it is that he just. He can't, he just can't understand that we're all, we're, we're trying to get to the same place. I still hold that gold would be a pretty good coinage for face-to-face transactions sans uh, Rodolfo Novak's uh, open dime, okay? Because you can, you can do that with Bitcoin too. But for digital payments, you can't use gold. It's impossible to send gold in a digital fashion. Because the only thing that you can send that would value gold in a digital fashion anywhere digitally is essentially a piece of paper. I mean, it's like you would just print out, hey, this guy has this ounce of gold and it's some kind of futures contract, which is immediately used to make derivatives out of. And then everybody loses all their money. See, what I'm talking about here is that I cannot physically send atoms of gold and until somebody invents a fucking transporter, that's never going to happen, ever. And by the time we do invent a transporter, guess what's going to happen to mining? That's right. You'll just scan an asteroid and transport all the gold atoms out of it, and you won't have to do any work whatsoever. But I wouldn't hold my breath for transporter technology anytime soon. So let's get into real money. Bitcoin is doing a face rip, $10,358.95. I got a high over at BitAsset at 10,450. I got a low. No, actually, man, the, the 3,058 is my low, and I don't know where it's from because this is out of BitInfo charts, and, and the way they do their pricing is a little, a little weird. 328,000 transactions were committed in the last 24 hours. That gives us about 13,500 transactions on average every hour. Uh, let's see. Ooh, 1 million BTC have been sent around the horn in that hour with an average being sent per hour of 42,000 BTC with an average transaction value of 3.07 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.042 BTC, otherwise known as 440 bucks, which is high. And what's low, however, is block time. Uh Uh-oh, looks like we got some hash power coming online. Nine minutes and four seconds. And let's see, reward per block. We have 0.61 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis. We have almost 100 BTC that have been taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. And holy shit, 132.6 exahashes per second. God, that's up 1.24% in the last 24 hours. Mind you, I've been gone for a month. I only saw smatterings of the price on Twitter. And I heard a couple of people talk about some, some, you know, mining, uh, hash rate time or mining hash rate being pretty high. But I have, this is the first time I've actually seen the number since the last episode, which was Thursday, June the 25th, 2020. And that was episode 256 of Bitcoin. And so 132.69 exahashes per second. Holy shit, dude, man. That's amazing. And the last time somebody did a GitHub commit to the Bitcoin repository on GitHub was sometime yesterday. Ethereum, $321. Bcash, $256. BSV at $193. Litecoin at $48 and change. Ethereum Classic at damn near $7. And Dogecoin falling off the cliff from where it was on its epic face ripping run which was apparently 
orchestrated on Instagram, Twitter, and a couple of other places. But it's at $0.0031 in USD and at 52,788 transactions in the last 24 hours, it beats the shit out of Ethereum Classic, Litecoin, and my God almighty, Bitcoin Cash only has 18,000 transactions in the last 24 hours. <laughs> Those, oh God, you poor bag holders. Let's, let's, let's get over here to Clark Moody land. This is uh, bitcoin.clarkmoody.com. And uh, this is his dashboard, by the way. So you can get to it by saying uh, bitcoin.clarkmoody.com forward slash dashboard. And confirmed, his price is $10,358. That gives you 9,656 Satoshis per dollar. Let's see where we are. Where are we in the mempool? We have 32,000 transactions chilling out in the mempool. That's about 36.17 megabytes. So we will need 37 blocks to clear to get the mempool all the way down to zero. Uh, Lightning Network. I love Lightning Network. Let me see what's going on here. Why? Okay. Uh, Wow. 977 and a half Bitcoin are in the lightning network in total that gives us a liquidity value of uh or sorry that gives us 10.1 million dollars us of liquidity with 7356 nodes we have 36847 channels the tor capacity is damn near 45% 44.9% of all the btc are running across the light the tor version of lightning or not version but the people that are running their lightning nodes on tour instead of just in, in ClearNet, that would be 438.94 BTC. And there are now 2,146 tour nodes. That's going to do it for vitals. I told you this show was going to be rough, guys. <clears throat> Man, you, you get out of practice for that long and yeah. Ooh. So, my again, my apologies for being gone so long. Um I am looking at uh just buying a laptop and taking this thing on the road because the house that we go to uh when we stay up in in Colorado, uh, has a small room that is just itching. Actually, it's got two small rooms on, uh, on the second floor of a garage that are both itching to be turned into a studio. And I am going to do that. I just don't know when, but it's right now it's good enough that with a couple of pieces of carpet up on the walls, I can, you know, pretty much isolate the sound in one of them and uh do the show in the mornings up there and then drive i'd have to actually drive down to durango to get enough internet access to upload the son of a bitch but there 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 you go there anyway so um let's do this one as a cautionary tale you know i don't like shit coinery right so when you hear me start reading this one it's because we should all be cautioned about what's going on with the defi stuff <clears throat> so here we go uh, yesterday, Bushan Akalakar wrote this one for CoinSpeaker. DeFi tokens lead to Ethereum price rally. ETH crosses $300 mark, making new 2020 high. Ethereum price jumped to over $300 in a major rally as the Ethereum network sees a significant surge in daily transactions. The price rally comes as the developers plan to launch the Ethereum testnet on August the 4th. The massive surge in DeFi activity on the Ethereum blockchain network has ultimately pushed its price higher. The Ethereum price has surged over 9% in the last 24 hours. At press time, ETH is trading at a price of 309 bucks, with a market cap of $34.6 billion. With this, Ethereum has hit a new 2020 high, recovering all of its losses of the March 2020 market crash. Over the last month, the Ethereum price has surged by more than 25%. In fact, a majority of this price rally has happened just over the last week, thanks to the sudden surge in DeFi activity. That's the caution, people. DeFi. 
which has propelled the bullish sentiment. The latest surge in the Ethereum DeFi activity pushed the Ethereum transactions to its all-time high. Meow. Remember CryptoKitties? Earlier this week, the Ethereum network executed over a million Ethereum daily transactions. Currently, DeFi applications on the Ethereum blockchain hold more than $3 billion worth of funds on the platform. The top three DeFi platforms on the Ethereum network are Maker, Aave, and Compound. Each of these platforms have contracts worth $875 million, $639 million, and $616 million, respectively. Despite the DeFi activity surge started a few weeks back, the ETH price was seen more or less consolidating above 230 until last week. As said, a majority of the Ethereum price rally comes in over the last week. In just one week, ETH's price has jumped over 25% as bulls take the charge. You're going to get freaking wrecked, bro. Besides, the ETH slash BTC price is also showing good strength. I guess that's the ETH BTC pair. I, I, I don't know if I'm doing that right. But data also suggests that Ether's price as a percentage of Bitcoin has jumped to new highs as the daily transaction of the Ethereum platform surged significantly. The need to, uh, to soon launch the, oh God, ETH 2.0 blockchain grows higher than ever before. The existing Ethereum network can process only 15 transactions per second. With ETH 2.0, this will jump to thousands of transactions every second. The ETH 2.0 platform with the proof-of-stake model addresses the issue of scalability to a large extent. The Ethereum developers have also accelerated their development with the ETH 2.0. As per the latest report, the ETH 2.0 final testnet launch is scheduled next month on August the 4th. Danny Ryan, ETH 2.0 project coordinator, said, quote, There's a little bit of stability work going on, and other than that, the blocker is some UX things trying to make key management as close to mainnet as possible. I expect we announce a date Monday or Tuesday or two weeks, whatever, two weeks, trademark. If the testnet launch remains successful, we can expect the mainnet launch by November the 4th, 2020. And the minute that son of a bitch actually launches, you know what's going to happen? Every ETH miner that's in existence is going to do one of two things. They're either going to continue to mine ETH and it's going to be a hard fork. And they're actually at this point, I don't think a hard, the, the term hard fork actually applies because they're moving from proof of work to proof of stake. All that they can really do is abandon the old chain. I guarantee you that old chain is not, it's not like the miners are going to go, I, I, I guess we're gone. It's going to be an Ethereum Classic 2.0 situation. Except I have a sneaky suspicion that what very well may happen is that somehow or another ETH Classic consolidates into the abandoned ETH chain and all of a sudden you end up with a second ETH that will be proof of work, right? Instead of proof of stake. Um, I, I don't hold any ether that I remember. I th pretty sure I got rid of all mine, like in 20, I want to say 20, the summer of 2016, I think. Um, so I don't have a dog in the hunt, uh, you know, honestly, but any of you guys that think that there's not going to be an absolute shit show, if they actually move to proof of stake, you guys are fooling yourselves. There will be, for lack of a better term, a hard fork. It probably will somehow or another involve the people over at um, Ethereum Classic, which is still banging away somehow. Uh, and Ethereum Classic was hard, was basically hard fork after the, um, oh God, what's, what was the name of it? Uh, DAO hack, that, that, the DAO hack. Um, DAO, Decentralized uh, Autonomous Organization. It was the it was the next big thing. It was going to put Bitcoin. It was going to put Bitcoin out to pasture and all that shit. And all that happened is that a massive hack occurred, and they rolled back the chain, uh, which you're not supposed to be able to do, but they can do it, which proved their centralization. It also proved their intent to do whatever the hell they want without anybody being able to give them any shit about it. You can't do that on Bitcoin. Bitcoin fixed that a long time ago. So now that that attitude is going to move to proof of stake, uh, I, the chicanery is just, is going to be bad, but whatever.
So uh, let's get into this one. The Coin Republic has this one by Steve Anderson. This was written on July the 25th. Czech Central Bank member questions the viability of digital currency. So we have a holdout out there in uh, Czechoslovakia, I suppose. Central Bank Digital Currencies or Central Digital Bank Currency, CBDC, as the name suggests, is the digital format of our traditional fiat currency. Although the concept of CBDC is derived from Bitcoin, but unlike crypto, CBDC is regulated by the government. It also aims at stabilizing our financial systems by improving technological efficiency and financial inclusiveness. Besides, since the money can be traced, it also reduces illicit activities. And that's a complete load of shit, but whatever. However, Thomas Haloub, a board member of the Czech National Bank, has different views regarding the central bank digital currency. According to him, there are more drawbacks to the digital system than the advantages of implementing it. In a recent interview by 4-H production journalist Martina Sabakova, Haloub has very briefly explained as to why he considers CBDC not a sustainable solution to the country's economy. A few months ago, the Czech Republic's currency Karuna experienced a downfall in its exchange rate. However, according to Haloub, it has been doing pretty well since March's market crash. When interrogated about CBDC, Haloub told the reporter that the liquidity services given to user accounts are an appealing concept. Initially, he referred to the CBDC as helicopter money, but later he questioned the viability of such a system. Helicopter money, often referred to as brand new printed money given to people during the time of recession or any certain crisis. Here, the helicopter money is in the context of the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, which has shaken the economic stability of many nations. Haloub also emphasized the fact that the CBDC has not yet provided the world with answers to specific questions. For instance, the biggest question with the, was the anonymity of the CBDC, whether CBDCs are going to be anonymous or not. Nobody knows. Another important question is whether the CBDC will comply with the AML standards in case they are declared anonymous. And lastly, whether these currencies would be interest-bearing or not. However, Haloub told the reporter that these are only a few questions and many more questions arise when different sectors of the CBDC are considered. The European legislation standards restrict the Czech Central Republic from its authority to convert all the fiat and issue a digital currency. Well, you gave up your sovereignty to join the European Union, so you get what you pay for. Lastly, Haloub said that a huge part of the country's currency is still in circulation. The growth of the currency contradicts the idea of issuing a digital currency in a liquidity crisis. However, he mentioned the possibility of the central bank issuing a digital currency in the future if this kind of shit persists. I don't know. It's hard to read this one because it seems fairly clear that this is a translation uh, or that English is not the first language of Mr. Anderson did a pretty good job, but there are some, I had to kind of squelch over some items. So it, it, I did the best I could. I, I did. I, I, I promise I did. Uh, gold prices. Again, let's talk about Peter Schiff. Gold prices hit record high, moving closer to 2k amid us, China tensions. Daria Rudd is writing this one for CoinSpeaker uh, sometime this morning. <clears throat> Let's get into it. Gold is benefiting from the present uncertainty, but it is unclear whether gold prices will grow further and set new record highs. Bull's next target is $2,000. In early trading hours today, gold prices set new record highs after trading slightly above the 1900 level last week. Gold has hit 19, uh, $1,944.76 per ounce topping a record mark set in September of 2011. And this rally is happening as the relationship between the United States and China are escalating. Besides, worries over the recurrence of a coronavirus pandemic are growing uh, too late, which also increases the value of gold as a stable asset. Sell, sell, sell! <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I had to. That one in... Shows you the stupidity! I'm just going to stop right there for just a sec to remind you that the last time gold hit this price was 2011. What do I think is actually going to happen right now? Cash is freaking King and there's going to be probably more than a handful of people that decide to cash out. And those people are who 
Everybody that bought gold at the top in 2011 and now, just now, it's just now that they're going to be able to sell their bet rock and get into cash so that they can go buy the amazing amount of properties that are going to be on the market over the next three years. I'm, I'm not lying. That's my prediction. I was talking to my sister about it <clears throat> over vacation. And who, boy, howdy, I really do think that that's, there's going to be some issues with uh, picking up, so, needing dry powder, even if it's fiat, to pick up some uh, property when the shit hits the fan. Because the, shit's, the shit has already hit the fan. What hasn't happened is you're not covered with it yet. Just wait. Spot gold traded about 1931 and 11 per ounce after earlier trading as high as 1943.92 per ounce as of press moment. Well, did I actually say that? As of press moment, spot gold price makes up 1935 per ounce. Gold futures were 1926 in early hours, and now they are trading at 1930 uh, or up 1.75%. Gold has always been considered a safe haven in times of economic and political uncertainty. Now, when the trade relationship between the world's leading nations, the United States and China are escalating, gold is a good store of value as never. Okay, I'm just going to end because this clearly, um, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to fix all of the translation issues going on here. But what I wanted, you know, we, we got past the first part of it. And that's the, the part that I really wanted uh, was to to talk about this whole this whole gold thing and the fact that I really think, now, am I an economist? No. I'm just some dude, man. But after watching 2008, um, history never repeats itself, but it often rhymes, as they say. I think what's going to end up happening is that a lot of people that are in a mortgage that's over their head are going to get foreclosed on. I think there's going to be a shit ton of foreclosures. And people like me who are interested in getting pro like hiring property managers to manage property in cities that I'm not in and rent their ass out to people who don't want to own a home. They don't want to more. Um, amazingly, not everybody wants to own their own home. I've known several people who are just interested in renting because it just relieves them of all the headaches of home ownership. I like owning a home. I think it's good. But I'm not everybody in the, on the planet. I want to be able to service these people that are not interested in owning a home. I'll own the home for them and they can pay me to live there. And then I will pay somebody to put a good person in that home, make sure the home is clean before and after somebody leaves <clears throat> and collects rent. I don't mind paying them a percentage of that. I want to own more of those properties. I think that we're going to see a wholesale flood of foreclosures in the banking system. And when, when they get really, really desperate because they've got all this shit on their balance sheet and they're, and they want to get rid of it. It's not like they're the, the bank. It's not like the people come to work at the bank going, look how many homes we have. It's like, Oh God, look at our balance sheet. We have got to clean this up. Then it's going to be a fire sale. And the people that have lost their homes will have to start coming back into the workforce, and they very well may just never want to own a, go through that shit again and is fine with renting because they are able to get a job and they just don't want to own a home. So they'll come to people like me and say, I would like to rent your home for a year or two or hopefully where you've only got one tenant for 20 years. I've known somebody. I knew somebody who lived in the same house with the same uh, owners of their house and paid rent for 20 years. I mean, you want to talk about solid gold tenants, man. That's, that's some shit right there, bro. So I do really believe that the people that got into gold in 2011, because they were two years out or three years out of the uh, 2008 stuff, uh, they bought the top and they've been waiting. Now the top is here again. And like in, in a very real way, like Bitcoin, you're probably going to see some drop in gold. Uh, if not today, then maybe, you know, next week or something like that. I don't know. I'm not going to uh, tell you a strike price because I, I, don't, I don't do technical analysis. I just think it's going to drop. And I think people are going to like get their shit out of gold and then they're going to sit on cash and they're going to wait for the foreclosures and they're going to do like me. 
they're going to want to buy property. So just be aware that that shit's coming. So um, let's see, where are we at on time? Uh, yeah, okay, not bad. I thought it was going to be a really, really short one today. But I, I do want to finish off the news portion here with Build Your Own Lightning Network, ATM, written by David Hamilton over at BitcoinLightning.com. The Lightning Network continues to provide crypto enthusiasts with new and exciting features this month. An intuitive developer by the name of 21 is Enough released plans on how to build, build your own Lightning Network-powered ATM. Now, the community can review this open-source project and push it to the next level. Importantly, the Lightning Network is a proof-of-concept rather than an item you would want to build and place in a public location. Specifically, there are a number of attack vectors the platform is susceptible to. Additionally, there are still some reliable reliability issues that are getting worked out. All that being said, this is one of the coolest lightning projects to date. In a video released on social media, 21 is Enough demonstrates the amazing micropayment capabilities of his invention. In the video, there's a crudely constructed ATM built from what appears to be a cardboard box. I think it'd been funny if it had been an actual, like literally a kitty litter box. I Look, don't get me wrong. I love Lightning Network, but I think it would have been funny to have this entire thing performing Lightning Network transi- transactions as an ATM. And while you're demonstrating it, the cat goes in, does its business, and then comes comes back out. Just saying, I think that would be hilarious. Whatever. The box features a slot labeled fiat currency with a permanent marker. Amazingly, he begins to put change into the slot, which initiates the screen to start displaying data. The screen begins to convert his pocket chain over to Satoshi's. Importantly, even though the screen is small, it provides you with all the information you need to complete the conversion. You see total sats you will receive, what you deposited, the conversion rate, and the ATM fee. Then 21 is enough, pulls out a tablet and scrolls over to the DAP and creates an invoice for the amount listed on the ATM. Notably, there is even an option to create a zero Satoshi invoice. Within seconds, he receives the deposit. The entire process took less than a minute. They quick scroll through 21 is enough timeline and you are graced with the step-by-step development of the project. You even get a glimpse into the future, what the future will hold for this concept. In one post, he demonstrates the ATM reprogrammed to function with a bill collector rather than coins. The best part of this entire project is the incredible amount of support put forth by the community. All of the coding is open source and available on GitHub. 21 is enough, even includes an in-depth video instructions on his Twitter feed. The entire project really encapsulates the openness and community feel of the Lightning Network. There are already other developers posting videos of their versions of the Lightning Network ATM. In one video, a developer named Ronan Tork God, what a what a cool ass name, <laughs> Ronan Torque. Oh, dude, I love it. He shows off his version of the concept. He effortlessly slides a two hundred euro bill into a small collector. Torque then presses a button to confirm the transactions. Next, he scans the code on the ATM with his smartphone, and his deposit is received. The entire process took only took forty seconds to complete, and it looked easier than using a traditional fiat ATM. There is something really awesome about seeing someone buy Bitcoin with pocket change. One can only imagine the wealth you would have had you would have today had you followed this strategy nine years ago. For now, the Lightning ATM serves as a rallying point for everyone standing behind this revolutionary protocol. Okay, that is awesome. This is actually also a, a little bit old. This was actually back in July 19th. And um, he is talking about a project that was uh, released on Twitter fairly earlier than than he was actually writing about it. But it's a good reminder. And honestly... I'm going to need to get some new sources of news because like I told you at the beginning of the show, some of these news organizations are turning into some real dickheads, man. Just, just saying now a couple of things about this. What I found very interesting and I, I, it's kind of still going on, but it doesn't seem to be as bad. When I was in Colorado, um, I went to a restaurant and there was a sign hanging on the, on, on the, um, door before you even got in and no it didn't say wear a mask that was another sign it did say that this sign was talking about pocket change and that it's scarce and that somehow or another 
This is the Federal Reserve's fault. They actually put that in there. And uh, that uh, to either pay with credit card or pay with exact change because they were not going to give you change back. I mean, honestly, I thought that was really weird, but I was like, okay, whatever, forgot about it, went on about my, went on about my day until I got to another uh, place of business that had the, almost the exact same sign on it. And I'm like, what in the hell is going on? Over the next few days, it became very apparent. I went to a Wells Fargo. Uh, was uh, one of my banks uh, has a brand, you know, one of my banks is Wells Fargo. It has a branch in Durango and I had to go do some business down there. And on the wall, it said something about a chain shortage. And I'll start asking questions I'm like, what the hell's going on? They're like, man, there's a chain shortage. If you have not experienced this in the United States, if you're an American citizen and you have not experienced this, count yourself lucky because it really, it sent a chill up my spine. And then when on Twitter was public, you know, I, I tweeted this, you know, my disdain or whatever, my, my uncomprehension, the uncomprehensibility of the issue on Twitter and got a couple of people that wrote, uh, wrote back with one had a picture of a sign on an HEB store that was out of this, that was not even in Colorado or Texas that said, or actually it may have been in Texas, but it was certainly wasn't in Colorado said the same shit due to a federal reserve shortage of change. Uh, you know, we, we ask that you round up to the nearest dollar for charity or that you pay exact, uh, exact change or use a credit card. It's just, it was bizarre. So here's, here's what I wanted, why I was kind of talking about that. If the, if this situation remains a situation for a lot longer than we think, because it costs a hell of a lot more money to print or not, print, but to stamp coins than to print dollar bills. Now we print dollar bills without even a printer. We just push buttons and shit like that. If there really is a chain shortage, a lightning ATM may be a get double bang for your buck because you're promoting lightning network. You're clearly promoting Bitcoin and you're getting change, which as I have actually heard stories, change is actually trading at a premium. So if you get people to buy you set up these lightning ATMs and take just change and not dollar bills and sell it back to the bank as a premium. <laughs> you get all the money that was put, put in plus the premium on the change. When you take it to a bank, if they are still going to do this and you get all the value out of the lightning network, I just, I think it would be hilarious if several people started doing that Again, this the guy is 21 is enough. Let me make sure uh, we got his Twitter account. Uh, at two, the numbers two, one is enough. This is all one word. At 21 is enough is the Twitter channel for this guy. And uh, yeah, pin tweet, September the 8th, 2019. I built the Lightning ATM and then he's got like a video of, of it going on. So go visit 21 is enough, man. That's, that's just too cool. All right. That's going to do it for all of the snooze you can use. I'll be back with a joke and possibly a story. I wonder what my parents did to fight boredom before the internet. I asked my 18 brothers and sisters. They don't know either. Obviously, that was dad says jokes. That was a good one, dad. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. Story time. I'm going to do a little story for you. We were in Colorado, and I have another bigger story. I'm not going to talk about the absolute disasters that were serially occurring at the end of our vacation, but uh, I'll, we'll do that on maybe tomorrow or something like that for story hour. Um, my daughter, my daughter is, has a superpower and it's called empathy. And I'm not talking about sympathy. I'm talking about full blown, full blood, absolute 100% genuine empathy, which means that you can actually feel the pain of others and you absolutely will do something about it to stop that pain. She has that superpower. I hope it doesn't get her into trouble because it could, but I'd rather my daughter be empathetic than a freaking sociopath. And she is empathetic. 
all the way down to a moth. We have a pond in front of the house in uh, Colorado that we stay at. And uh, uh, she saw that there was something flapping around on top of the water. And she's like, oh, my God, it's a moth. It's drowning. What does she do? But she goes and gets a stick. Of course, she's empathetic. Damn, you don't let it die. And she fishes it out and uh, goes so far as to, like, you know, put it in her hand. And she's like, you know, it's all wet and soaked and looking all shaggy and whatnot. And it's not a big moth. It's like your regular normal wood moth or something like that. So she goes inside and she gets a glass and she puts it under the glass and then she runs around the yard and she picks up a couple of sticks, some grass, a couple of leaves to make it a nice little home in the glass. Remember, my daughter's 10. Okay, give her a break. <clears throat> so she puts the, the stuff in there with a the moth and uh, we start talking about it and I'm looking at the moth going, it's looking a little ratty, but you know, it's drying off and uh I go, well, what are you, what are you going to do with it? She goes, well, first we got to name it. What are we going to name it? I'm like, Melvin. I'm like, what else the hell are you going to name a moth? Melvin, of course. <clears throat> so Melvin does indeed dry off a little bit. She keeps them under the glass uh, for, you know, about like, you know, 10 minutes. She looks at him and I start looking at him and I'm like, I don't know, man. This, this moth looks like it's in bad shape, dude. I mean, it doesn't look like it's a spring chicken at all. So, you know, Marlo, uh, my daughter takes it out. And puts it on her hand, and she's kind of cupping it in her hand. And Melvin decides to fly off. Where does Melvin fly? Right back into the pond. Melvin, I'm a little concerned about Melvin at this point. Melvin flies, I mean, beeline. Beeline to the pond. So, what does my daughter do? She fishes Melvin out of the pond again and puts him back in his little Melvin house to dry off in true Melvin fashion. And, um... <clears throat> Uh, excuse me. Sorry. Pardon me. Um, she lets him dry off and I'm looking at him and I'm like, dude, 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 this, this moth looks bad. Well, she, he dries, Melvin dries off again. And, uh, you know, my daughter, you know, takes him out and he starts flapping his wings and she kind of like catches him in mid flight. And I'm like, you know, I'm a little concerned about Melvin's like, you know, uh, psyche right now. I, I think he may be having some like moth problems and maybe she should take Melvin into the backyard where there's not a pond so that we don't have a, you know, another issue uh, with Melvin, uh, you know, jumping into the pond. So she does, she takes him out back and out back, there's a stump that's cut close to the ground and um, I spent the first, not first week, but in the first week of my vacation, one of the first things that I had to do was go around and drill <clears throat> like a one inch holes about four inches deep into uh, all of the stumps of some trees that we took off the property so that, you know, fungi can get in there and stuff like that. And I'd been filling them, uh, saturating them with water with just a, a slow drip uh, just to make sure that the wood is was really good and saturated. So like there's like five, six holes in each one of these stumps and they're about an inch wide and four inches deep and they hold water. We found a, a little tiny frog in one of the holes one day, which is not another story I'll tell, but it was cute because it was just sitting there in the water and I had a stick and I didn't see the, the frog, but I was getting fishing something out of that hole and a frog jumped out and it was a tiny little itty bitty, little itty bitty thing, which we thought was cute. But let's get back to Melvin. Melvin in the hands of my daughter, who is now going back into the backyard. She comes running back with Melvin and Melvin is on a stick and is drenched. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And she goes, no, dad, I'm not kidding. He flew out of my hand and he went into the one hole that had water in the stump that was still holding water because all the rest of them drain out except for this one. He went for that one. I determined that Melvin was suicidal. So, <clears throat> once, once, and for the last time, she puts him under the glass, lets Melvin dry off. When Melvin is dry, she takes him into the yard and he jumps off of her hand and does a nosedive directly into the grass. That was the last time we actually saw Melvin. So I don't have a sound effect for like, you know, playing taps, but if I did, I guarantee you I'd, I'd play taps for Melvin and my daughter's empathy. It was a thing of beauty. Okay. Story time. That was story time. Let's do the daily train wreck. And let me make sure that I got all my stuff for the train train wreck ready. All right. Peter Schiff. 
talked three times about Peter Schiff today. But here's his tweet from 14 hours ago. Two of the last three times Bitcoin rose above $10,000 in October of 2019 and in February of 2020, it soon fell by 38% and 63% respectively. The last time Bitcoin rose above 10,000 was in May and it only fell by 15%. It's above 10,000 again today. How big will the next drop be? I've never seen anybody that has timescales this short when it came to any kind of investing. And I, I don't necessarily conclude that when I put fiat into Bitcoin that it's necessarily investing. Not for me. If it is for you, that's fine. I've never seen, I, I mean, his, his time horizon is from 2019. I'm surprised that he didn't even go back to 2017 when we, you know, when we had the, uh, the real crash. Honestly, how does somebody be successful when their time horizons are so fucking short-sighted that you need Coke bottle glasses to read them? He's so nearsighted, it's not even funny. I, I'm just, but anyway, there's, there's your smoldering pile. And I'm just going to go ahead and do the sign off uh, here. Um, it's good to be back. Uh, it was a, there was some real stressful shit that occurred. And I don't exactly know how to construct that particular story just yet. But I will because, man, it's, it's, a, it's a story worth telling. It honestly is. Anyway, with that, I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and... And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.